and welcome to Kiwi Rider Podcast. My name is Ray here and great to have you along. Thanks for tuning in once again to New Zealand's pretty much New Zealand's only podcast to do with everything motorcycling. We've got lots to get through this episode. Later on we're going to dive into some news on some new bikes that have been announced to hit the country. But before we go any further, two events that I need to share details about with you. Now the first one is celebrating 100 years of Motoguzzi or Motoguzzi if you're uh, overseas. Uh, if you ride a Motoguzzi, this one is for you. So Motoguzzi celebrate celebrating 100 years of the brand and there's an event, an event that is free for anyone riding a Motoguzzi. It is the Tiki Tour, the Motoguzzi 100 Years Tiki Tour. Uh, Motoguzzi New Zealand would like to invite all Motoguzzi riders and owners to attend the 100 year birthday party celebrations September 10th to 12th, based at uh, Lake Okatana or Okatina at the lodge there, 30Ks, uh, kind of towards the coast east of Rotorua. There's going to be two navigational ride courses offered, one sealed and one a mix of gravel and seal, approximately 300 kilometres each. Uh, no charge for the event whatsoever for Motoguzzi owners and riders. You can ride your bike or you can trailer it there, and there'll be a bike display with prizes for all sorts of things as well. For more information on this, go to Facebook, search Motoguzzi NZ Tiki Tour, or or you can email tour at kiwirider.co.nz. Celebrating 100 years of Motoguzzi and a free event for Motoguzzi riders. That that event sounds brilliant. I, I really hope that I get to go to that. Uh, the other event on the horizon is the GS Rally 2021. Now this has been locked in. Uh, last year of course it was in the Wairarapa region based out of Martinborough. This year it's heading north, unfortunately. Yes, I can hear all the people in the South Island screaming their outrage. Um, looking forward to getting something southbound very, very soon. But unfortunately, the GS Rally 2021 is north. It's in Auckland. This year we've got access to Riverhead and Woodhill Forests, as well as uh, a whole stack of our favourite roads around the area. Now this is actually being organised by uh, a few of the Kiwi Rider team for BMW Motorrad New Zealand, and a few the the, the guys that are organising it live near Riverhead and Woodhill, and they just and it's their backyard, and they know it, and they know it so well. So I guarantee you that the GS Rally 2021 based uh, Auckland, north of Auckland, that kind of area, or is it west? Yeah, up there anyway, anyway, near Riverhead and Woodford, Woodhill Forests, is going to be absolutely outstanding. But when's it being held, I hear you say? November 5th and 6th. For more information on this, go to Facebook and search GS Rally New Zealand. And of course, that's R-A-L-L-Y-E New Zealand. Also, if you want to know what last year's event was like, I'm going to tag the podcast episode we did following the GS Rally 2020 uh, from last year in the description of this podcast. So uh, if you need any kind of push, any kind of encouragement, you want to know, you know, what the kind of gist of the of the of the thing is, you can go to that last year's episode, uh, last year's GS Rally 2020 episode and listen to it all there. Tell you what though, if you're going to do a navigational rally kind of thing like these, get yourself a root sheet holder. Uh, root sheets are, are supplied, they're offered at all of these navigational rides. 
and it's a whole lot of fun. You don't need a GPS. You don't need to worry if your GPS, you know, you don't have to worry about powering your GPS. You don't have to worry about what if the battery goes flat. You don't have to worry about I can't get the map on my GPS. Just follow the route sheets. It's really, really easy. One instruction, roll to the next one. Zero your case. Do whatever it says on the page. Roll to the next one. And just spend your day following old school route sheets. Really, really, really fun. So there you go. That's two events on the horizon. The Motoguzzi NZ Tiki Tour uh, happening. 10th to 12th of September and the GS Rally 2020 November 5th and 6th. More information on Facebook and you can go to our page as well search out Kiwi Rider Podcast on Facebook and we'll share all the details of those events directly there. Now though it is time to do the news. And our first story happened over the weekend Aprilia announced a new bike a 660 uh, specs and, and a new video and it looks outstanding and I'm not sure if I should pronounce it because I'm probably going to butcher the pronunciation it's T-A-U-R-E-G Taureg? Touareg? Maybe Touareg. That's what I think it is anyway. Aprilia's upcoming Touareg 660 is hot property in the adventure market. A true middleweight based around the 660cc parallel twin from the RE660, the Touareg looks set to add an option for riders between the budget Yamaha Tenere 700 and the expensive European options. While pricing and New Zealand arrival announcements are still a long way off, expect it sometime next year at the earliest, Details have been released by Aprilia uh, and they paint a very competitive picture. The 660cc twin now produces a claimed 80 horsepower from this with 70 newton meters of torque, with the engine being utilized as a stressed member in the tubular steel trellis frame, with the long flat seat sitting above the exposed subframe. Ground clearance is a claimed more than 240 millimeters and is matched with seat height of less than 860 millimeters. We assume since the bike is still in development Aprilia aren't quite willing to set those figures in stone but it appears the chassis will be well sorted in with addition of the 21 inch front and 18 inch wheels sizing. Dry weight minus 18 litres of fuel oil and coolant is a, cli- a claimed low 187 kg which puts the Aprilia right in the same ballpark as the Tenere 700 however Aprilia goes all in when it comes to technology and boasts a full APRC electronics package and 5 inch TFT dash. The APRC system covers the now expected aspects of electronic aids and includes traction control, cruise control, engine maps and engine braking. Included in the electronics package are four riding modes, two of which are customizable, with one being dedicated to off-road riding. Interestingly, Aprilia will be giving riders the option to turn ABS off at both wheels or only the rear through the electronics. Visually, we're really digging what Aprilia has done with the new Touareg. It looks simple and purposeful, which is exactly what it needs to be in such a competitive market. Our only hope is that the bike is priced at a point which is accessible to average riders. For for the full video and more information, you can go to onthrottle.co.nz. Tell you what though, it seems like all you need to do is put out a 660 or 650 thereabout CC uh, bike, which you can detune to be a lambs bike, and then you can take that same engine and chuck it in an adventure bike, and you're onto a winner. 
see if Moto have announced a new adventure touring bike. Could this be the bike that puts CF Moto on the map? Here in New Zealand, Chinese motorcycle manufacturer CF Moto is a bit of an unknown, despite being in the market for a number of years and offering a decent range of affordable bikes and side-by-sides. That flying under the radar may be about to come to an end though, with the announcement of the Australian pricing of CF Moto's KTM-powered adventure tourer. The 799cc parallel twin adventure bike is expected to arrive over the ditch before the end of the year, but it's the price point that really grabbed us by the eyeballs and made us take notice. The first examples of the 800MT Sport and 800MT Touring are expected to land by the year's end. Australian pricing starts at $12,990 for the base model 800MT Sport, while the up-spec 800MT Touring gets to the retail price sticker of $13,990. Here in New Zealand, the bikes will retail for $13,490 and $14,490 respectively. That's an incredible amount of bike for not a lot of money and is sure to send chills down the spines of the established players in the market. Both trim levels are powered by the same KTM LC8C Parallel Twin 799cc displacement ride-by-wire throttle, which means plenty of the latest electronics are also on offer. In terms of power, there's more than ample on tap with 95 horsepower and 88 newton meters of torque available to punt the 225kg adventure bike down the road. Styling is its own distinct take on an adventure bike, which is something of a novelty with the Chinese brand. However, it's not to say we don't see similarities with other bikes on the market. The cockpit, for instance, leans towards BMW's R1250 GS style with a step seat, sitting behind a rather tall 19-litre fuel tank, rather than the dirt-focused cockpit of the KTM 790, from which the 800MT takes its engine. Up the front is a generous windscreen and lighting supplied by LEDs with a set of fog lamps as standard kit. Wheel sizes are 19 inch front and 17 inch rear, an ideal compromise for road and off-road riding, with the Sport tracking on cast wheels and the up-spec Touring model on spoked wheels. The rolling chassis is completed by a fully adjustable set of KYB suspension and Spanish Jejuan radial brakes with a tubular steel frame. The two models are separated by a few key differences however. The sport model rolls on cast alloy wheels and as the name implies is more suited to fun weekend rides on predominantly sealed roads. The touring model gains all the extras needed to give the bike some off-road credibility. These add-ons include spoked rims, alloy bash plate, handguard, center stand, and steering damper, plus some nice amenities including heated seats, grips, keyless start, and tire pressure monitoring system. The CF Moto 800MT range is expected to arrive in New Zealand dealers as early as 2022, a couple of months after their arrival in Australia, and based off the spec sheet alone, looks set to finally put CF Moto on the map right here in New Zealand. For full specs and a whole stack more photos, check out the story at onthrottle.co.nz. It's been a long time since we've heard anything official from Husqvarna regarding the upcoming Norden 901 adventure bike. Often that's a sign that things aren't going to plan, which, uh, which considering the global pandemic isn't really much of a surprise. After debuting at the 2019 edition of EICMA, we've not heard much regarding the 889cc Norden 901, however Husqvarna isn't letting the Norden flame die out, and has just released the first in a series of behind-the-scenes videos on the development of the Norden 901. While there is little to no information on how long the video series will run, it is a relief to see that Husqvarna haven't quietly put the 901 out to pasture. Who knows? 
the end of the series might reveal a full production model, wouldn't that be great for Husky fans? Well, I've got to say, the Norton 901, ever since that first photo that we saw of the bike, looks absolutely outstanding. Looks to rival the Tenere 700. If you know me, you know that that's a big call. So for full photos and everything we know about the, the Husqvarna Norton 901 adventure bike so far, go to onthrottle.co.nz. You'll also see episode one of the Norton 901 story, which I'll bring you the audio of right now. So it was extremely uh, excited briefing to sketch uh, a simple and progressive adventure bike that came from the roots of a rally bike. It was very important for me and Jules to do a kind of brainstorming, so to analyze, so to share ideas, to share feeling especially. We really take a look about all the rally bikes, the, the typical archetypes. We take a high inspiration even from TCFC lineup, so the Motocross Squarna, ultra modern. And we just try to understand how to apply that kind of philosophy into a bigger bike to create a new statement. One of the biggest challenges of the designer is not just to, to sketch, to think about something completely new, it's to convince the people. And, uh, and the next step is to make it real. That's why Jules came in, is exactly in this, in, this, in this phase, because it's a huge part of the process. He was completely on the creative side and like me with my experience on the bike was more about how we structured this project and the chemistry works pretty cool on this project. The clay phase uh, is the first time where we are confronted to reality. We are all sketching, we are all doing CAD before and it's really not tangible and like the clay is the first time you you realize what you created you really need a really good communication that the clay modeler really understand what you want to do with this bike to bring it the step further what's fundamental in the squarna design on the highway, when you are just looking in your mirror and you see through the northern, you have to immediately recognize it. So uh, we have a typical ultra-modern uh, round light. It's simple in itself. It's just a round, no? But again, here we go, the, the Squarna treatment. So it's rich of detail, enough to give you a completely new feeling into it. All those is not just styling feature, they also give a lot more functionality to the bike. You have, for example, those two fog lights that are integrated in the spoiler and front assembly. This is really what brings the quality of the bike. There is a function followed by aesthetic. And this is the real essence of Husqvarna. You treat area and you give such a, a character, a new identity that only Husqvarna could really give. Husqvarna Motorcycles.
After a lifetime of riding dirt bikes and a brief stint on some very orange bikes, Jock's own Africa Twin comes under the spotlight. This is Jock McLaughlin's thoughts on his long-term personal bike, the Honda Africa Twin. From Kiwi Rider, May 2021, Volume 1. For all the pictures and specs, go to kiwirider.co.nz. My adventure riding history started many years ago when I purchased a KTM 990 Adventure. The 915 990s were the start of change in the adventure segment. Instead of the typical big heavy bikes that were pretty average for the breed, the 950 and 990 took KTM's Dakar rally race knowledge and put a cat amongst the pigeons. Tall and relatively lightweight, sporting a 21 inch front wheel, the KTM's were game changers and made the adventure segment somewhere for us dirt racers to feel at home. In fact, there's still a fantastic bike to this day with excellent all-round capabilities. A few years later I swapped to a KTM 1190R, which was faster on the road but probably a step backwards on the gravel. This was because of a power delivery that spun up the back wheel, just eating tyres rather than going forwards. In that regards, the 1290R was better, even though it was more powerful again. Smitten at first ride In early 2016, I rode the Australasian Africa Twin, which was based here in New Zealand. We rode from Picton to Queenstown, and that was enough to convince me that this was the bike for me. We rode a magnificent selection of back roads, about half of them gravel, and by the end of the week, I was completely sold. I wanted the base model because at that stage, that was the only one with no ABS or traction control. Two things that really annoyed me on the KTMs. I was forever stuffing around on them, pressing buttons and scrolling through menus. I was wasting good riding time just sitting there, turning off ABS and finding the right modes, which is something I really hate. I just want to be riding. When I hit the gravel, I want to go. When I go off-road, I want to be there in the moment doing it. Yes, I'm an impatient bastard. There was just one problem though. I wanted the red one. And the only base models that were imported into New Zealand at the time were grey. This was where Grant Woodford from Cyclesport did me a huge favour. He had a customer with a red DCT model, but he was wanting a grey one. I didn't see that coming. So, it was a bit of a result. Cyclespot did a complete colour swap for the two of us. Fuel tank, all the plastics, everything. To this day I think I've got the only red coloured base model without ABS or traction control in New Zealand. So what else do I like about the Africa Twin? Well, overall it's a nice ride. It does everything super well, although it's not spectacular at any one thing. You know, kind of a jack of all trades and a master of none. It's really good everywhere without a standout performance in any one category. I reckon if you've ridden other bikes in the class, then test ride an Africa Twin around the block and you'll probably be thinking something along the lines of, okay it's nice, but it certainly doesn't have KTM 1290 or BMW R1250 GS grunt. But then, you won't be getting the full and accurate picture in such a short ride either. thing for me though is how easy it is to ride, all day, anywhere, in any conditions. At around 100 horsepower, it's not a rocket ship, but it's certainly fast enough and you can use all of it in the gravel and still have tolerable tyre life. 
it slides very well, yet is extremely tractable when you need it to be, and very capable off-road despite its size. I find the steering to be super accurate in all terrain, and it never gives me any surprises. On-road it's agile, really quite effortless, very comfortable, and it can be pushed along pretty quickly. I'd say the standard suspension is pretty good, although it is quite soft. Because I'm a picky bugger and stock suspension can always be improved, I purchased an Olin's shock and full Olin's cartridge fork internals with firmer springs. Are they better than before? Yes, a great improvement. I'd say probable 25-30% improvement compared to the new stock suspension. It'd likely be a massive improvement compared to the standard gear that's now 4-5 to five years old. In effect, I was looking for greater bottoming resistance and control. The standard stuff is pretty good until you start to push a bit faster off-road, where it's too soft for modest jumping and easy to bottom out. Then again, in reality, you really don't need and shouldn't try to get dirt bike style jumping performance out of a bike with this much weight. 230kgs of adventure bike. It's ill-advisable because the repercussions can be painful and expensive. However, for me, I like my bikes to be able to cope with about a metre off the ground impacts and still be pretty compliant on the small stuff. This is what Olins have delivered, and I wouldn't say the feel is much different to standard in the first half of the travel. But from there on, it does have better progression and control, and that's the same with a pillion too. Let's talk modifications. A simple and very effective modification I did was chop 50mm off the top of the screen with a hacksaw. I am the perfect height for optimum buffeting with the screen at standard height, but the chop works awesome for me and was a cheap hack. About 5 minutes in the shed is all you need. I went up 3 teeth on the rear sprocket to gear it down a little and give a bit more punch in the turns. I did this rather than go down a tooth on the front sprocket solely to maintain front sprocket life. It was actually a costly mission in hindsight because I couldn't get a chain long enough, so I had to buy two chains and join them together. I couldn't get a new chain with the standard pin size to just add a few links to. Other than that I added GV crash bars, hard luggage, spotlights and then some bark busters with plastic guards to keep the rain and cold off. I'm not a huge fan of the standard bars but they are nice and wide. I find they've got too much backward sweep for comfortable standing but are quite nice when sitting. To date I haven't found a better bar that still allows clearance for bark busters from the screen etc. So I'm not too unhappily living with them. I reckon with that all done I've got the bases quite well covered. In short, since owning the bike I've ridden organised adventure rides, both two up and on my own. I ride it often between KR test riding duties to see how it stacks up against new models and is somewhat of a benchmark. My normal choice of riding is a 250km loop which is approximately half gravel and the rest nicely twisting tarmac. I don't ride it much off road but I do occasionally play around at home on my property where I've built a short dirt loop with a few jumps. Of course the Honda has done a few longer touring style trips exploring the country as well. In general, the Honda Africa Twin has been a top machine. I have no issues and can't complain about its performance across the board. It makes a lovely touring bike, a great gravel bike, and with a quick strip down and some knobblies, a bloody handy proper adventure bike. It's great two up, on and off road as well. 
Sure, there are times when, in hoon mode, I'd like a little more grunt, that would be fun, but then I think, do I really want to be fitting a new tyre at lunchtime? Probably not. Jock McLaughlin's thoughts on his personal Honda Africa Twin. For photos and more information on this bike, go to kiwirider.co.nz and check out May 2021, Volume 1. Well, that about wraps up the episode. Thank you very much for sticking with us. Love to hear your feedback. Are we doing a good job? Are we doing a bad job? What more could we do for you in this podcast? Love to hear from you. You can email me, podcast at kiwirider.co.nz or you can touch base on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram and TikTok as well. Can you believe it? But this is Kiwi Rider Podcast. My name's Ray Heron. Thank you very much for sticking with us. Keep the rubber side down, throttle on, and we'll catch you in seven days' time.